The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen. It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 131, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL, that's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best dog out co-host in the game, Mr. Nine Year Streak Without a Bad Day, he is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S O L A K. Ben, how you doing, brother? Everything is delicious, Mike. Thank you for asking. Nice, especially when, as you always knew and expected, uh, Boston Scott makes the Eagles active fifty-three man or active forty-six, probably, but definitely fifty-three man roster in the twenty nineteen season. We never doubted once. Yeah, we have the final injury report coming into the game with the Eagles and the Vikings. So we are going to get to that before we get to our preview of the Eagles offense against the Vikings defense on the KNS 130. We flipped sides. We had the Vikings offense against the Eagles defense. But let's get to this injury report now that we know who's playing and who is not playing. Uh, This was released on Friday. We're recording on Friday just after it was released. Of course, this will be out on Saturday. Uh, The Eagles have ruled out the following players for Sunday. Defensive tackle Timmy Jernigan, cornerback Ronald Darby, cornerback Avante Maddox, all for obvious reasons, everybody knows. Running back Corey Clement, running back Darren Sproles, wide receiver Deshaun Jackson remains out. Uh, In terms of the technical aspects with these injuries, you look at Sproles and Clement being out. It left the Eagles with two active running backs in Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard. In response to that, they have officially activated Boston Scott, as Ben alluded to. We're not sure what the corresponding roster move is that went along with that. No, wait, we do. We do. Oh, Clement, we do. Clement got IR'd. Oh, wow. Yeah, from the Eagles' official account, roster move, Eagles have promoted Boston Scott from the Bayern squad and placed Corey Clement on injured reserve. Okay, so yeah. that puts Corey in a bind. That's a shame. On defense, with corners Darby and Maddox out, that leaves them with Rasul Douglas, Sidney Jones, Orlando Scandrick, Craig James, and Ryan Lewis. So not disastrous for the three starters, but if they have to reach into the depth of that group, it's definitely a problem. Late game heroics from Craig James notwithstanding. Also of note, the Eagles continue to only have two tight ends on the roster. When asked about it, Doug Peterson. Yeah, I got a take on this, but go ahead. Peterson said, quote, listen, it is what it is right now where we're at. 
if it was Christmas every day, we would have a third tight end. But we have to make work with what we have, unquote. What does that mean if it was just get another tight end? Right. Ben, what's if your take were, on if this? If it were Christmas every day, acting Doesn't as if it's unreasonable <laughs> that you would have, you know, contingency plans at the tight end position. We saw what, what Goddard being out in the Atlanta game did to the to, to the playbook. And even the next what week What is this like, well. oh, shucks, there's no more tight ends in the world? nonsense you're a heavy two tight end team how do you not yeah. have this is but this is classic doug being classic doug well this is no, but this is classic doug being spicy with the media because like he's pissed about something that is not media related and then the media dares ask about it right this is where <laughs> this is where doug gets like you know he did this with the carson wentz thing you know when wentz was going through training camp in 2018 we kind of have to ask but and doug's like obviously it's frustrating that you're you're dealing with only two healthy tight ends and goddard's been touch and go that's obviously annoying we're not going to not ask about it just because it's irritating furthermore yeah. if you want to be upset about it be upset about it no if it were christmas every day <laughs> just, just go sign a tight end off the street what does that even mean what is, go sign that a tight end off of, of somebody else's practice squad you, if, yeah, you know, like it. or we're good with two tight ends we run a, run a base 11 personnel we like our wide receiver depth alshon's back healthy we're trying to integrate J. john matt collins more Give another BS answer, but this is just hmm. stupid. Yeah, that that tight end answer, you know, raised my heckles a little bit. I'm a little, I'm all worked <laughs> up. So the Eagles will once again enter a game with only two tight ends when they are one of the heaviest twelve personnel usage teams in the NFL, which is which is fascinating. Hopefully that doesn't blow up in their faces. Uh, of course, going to the Vikings injury report, uh, a much shorter one. One player questionable in linebacker Kentrell Brothers. He'll likely test out his hamstring, also dealing with a wrist. Uh, he'll test that out before the game and see if he can go. Another linebacker, Ben Gideon, has been mm-hmm. ruled out with a concussion. And then offensive guard Josh Klein is out with a foot. He'll be replaced by Dakota Dozier, who has experience, but not all experience is good experience. Ben, anything on those guys, or are we clear to proceed? Yeah, can I admit something? Mm. When I saw in the Vikings injury report that... Uh, Kentrell brothers were out. I uh, went to the Vikings death chart to try to figure out who were the two people whose last names were Kentrell, who I didn't know. And then I realized that uh, brothers is his last name and Kentrell is his first name. And the official Vikings report would never have listed two people as one person and just called them the Kentrell brothers. Yeah. (laughs) Other than that. No, I mean, Josh Klein being out is a bit of a thing because as uh, we were discussing a little bit, earlier uh, on the previous podcast about the guard situation, how it's already pretty rough. It's Dozier, uh, Dakota Dozier, now as the backup guard. Mike Zimmer was asked about him during media availability. Do you see this? Arif tweeted it out. Oh boy, what do you say? Vikings head coach uh, Mike Zimmer. Question, Dakota Dozier was seemingly up and down in the Chicago game. What does he need to do to play better? Answer, I don't know. Did you evaluate him? Question. Uh, <laughs> question. <laughs> That's why I said seemingly. Do you think he played well in Chicago? Answer: Yeah, he plays good. Jeez, man. These <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, same same thing for Doug. As now I'll right. say to you, Mike, we can kind of see through this. <laughs> if he played poorly, just frame it as he needs to get better. Like, did you evaluate him? My mama could have evaluated him. The, the opposing team was getting by him. That's a problem. He had some struggles, but there's some things that he can work on, and I think we'll get it worked out in time for this game. I think he's ready to go. 
Right, which Boom, is done. objectively untrue, but it's False. what we do in, you know, it's, it's the right the, thing to say. It's the lip service that you give, right. But either way, so Deco- uh, Dozier is is a weak link on an already pretty weak interior offensive line. Uh, so the Eagles, the expectation is that they're going to be have a strong game against that, that front. And in long and late situations where you can then kick one of your edges inside, they'll be doing it with Brandon Graham, Vinnie Curry, and Josh Sweat. You should be able to win one-on-one matchups against a player like Dozier. Dozier, the big issue that you saw against uh, uh, Chicago when he was in that game is hand usage and balance. Dozier is very aggressive in pass protection. He comes right up in front of you. He tries to throw a punch quickly. Uh, He can get out-leveraged and sidestepped fairly easily accordingly. He plays way too far over his toes uh, and and does not have the, the anchor, I think, to sit against a bull rush and so he tries to stymie it early and that's a losing formula when you lack the athleticism that that dozier lacks and so again it, it should be a good game for the eagles quicker interior rush especially when those interior when those edges kick down to the interior yeah with brandon graham kicking in they go three center left and it's graham on him that's going to be an interesting matchup for sure all right let's transition to the preview of the eagles offense against the vikings defense and you look at this Minnesota defense, you know, just some basic stats to get out of the way here. The DVOA, they are ranked fourth on the season. Just a reminder, when the Eagles played the Packers, they were ranked third. They did okay. This is in the end of the world. Uh, they're also allowing only the fifth most uh, amount of points with 14.6. And Ben, I know there's like this, this panic going around Philadelphia right now with the production of the offense after the Jets game, after everything was all roses and everybody was a return to form and everything after the Green Bay game. And I think that's mostly true. There is like a mini panic attack happening in Philadelphia right now. It is over the seventh ranked points per game, sixth ranked DVOA, sixth ranked red zone, sixth uh, touchdown drive efficiency, tied to fifth best for turnover frequency, second best on third down percentage. I don't understand why the overreaction is so harsh. Like, do people think that Luke Falk was playing defense for the Jets as well? Because the Jets defense has been an average to above average unit for the for the season. They're they're mm-hmm. a solid, solid unit. So like small sputters and struggles aside, and the Eagles shot themselves in the foot a lot in early drives and early downs with penalties. I don't think I'm nearly as concerned as some are making this out to be. Now, that said, this will be a serious test for them, one that they'll need to pass and they'll need to put up some points. Like we said in the previous one, this might be a bit of a slug and might give us a false representation as far as how many plays are in the game because of the pace. But overall, like I'm not that worried about this Eagles offense. I think they can do a decent job against this Vikings defense, who is tough in their own right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the Eagles offense is good. And, 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 and certainly when they don't score points, we yell and we're upset we want to come up with reasons as to why they're bad but the Eagles offense is objectively good right and and there's no reason to pretend otherwise they're going to present a challenge to the Vikings defense I think on multiple fronts I think in the running game and in the passing game they're going to have advantages that they can exploit um the there's no the Eagles can go up against I think any offense in the league or excuse me the Eagles offense can go up against any defense in the league and reasonably should be expected to put up points now yeah. To the extent to which they have two healthy tight ends and Dallas Goddard may be touch and go. To the extent to which they're missing uh, Deshaun Jackson. To the extent to which, you know, the, the running back rotation might be a little shallower than it usually is because of the lack of Sproles and Clement. That takes away a bit of your offense. I mean, as we've documented now for multiple weeks, no Deshaun Jackson. The Eagles are a super shallow passing attack. And that mm-hmm. weakens the offense. And so if the Vikings lock them down, the Vikings lock them down. But the Eagles offense is good. The expectation is that they shouldn't be locked down. And if they get locked down, there's plenty of time not only to improve, but there's also reinforcements coming. There's also, uh, you know, uh, 
where we we don't have this offense really at full strength right now. And that's the thing is that like, you know, you 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 say that and, and you know the response like, oh well, there's going to be injuries late in the season. Sure, but the Eagles' offense has played like one game together with everybody in the building. You know what I mean? And since then, it's been getting everybody back piecemeal. So it's a, it's really okay. You know what I mean? I agree that I think that you know there's you see the Chiefs and you see the Cowboys and and you you you're saying to yourself, you know, we need to be able to just be this dominant offense all over the place. Eagles have a good offense in the league, an offense that can score points, that can win them shootouts, and can be good defense. We saw it against Green Bay. We could very well see it against Minnesota as well. And when you look at this defense from the Vikings, we'll kind of start to break down what they are schematically. I think the first thing that stood out to me, and this is always what the Vikings defense has been with Zimmer. I mean, you really look at that third down percentage, second on third down, the the blitz packages that the Vikings are going to bring in, in third down are very interesting. Their 10th most blitzes in 2018. They do the same thing. They'll bring them from everywhere. They're going to double mug the A-gap. I think the really interesting aspect of this is guys like Miles Sanders, and we know Jordan Howard is a good pass protector. I'm not as worried about him. But Miles Sanders, not the biggest liability in pass protection as we thought or feared that he might be coming out. I'll give him credit there. I mean, he had a great pickup against the against the Jets, knocked a guy flat on his rear end. So he's playing well in that area. I think this is the game. And when you talk about Sanders as a blocker, you're not just talking about the technique. You're talking about the mental processing and what he has to pick up. The Vikings will challenge him from a mental standpoint. And when they go double A, you know, mug and all, and all that stuff and all the fancy stuff that they like to do, Harrison Smith is flying all over the place. I think that's going to be really challenging, not only for the offensive line, but also working in unison with the running backs to pick up lists. Because when the Eagles were successful in the Vi- against the Vikings in the past, you look at the NFC Championship game, Corey Clement, really shown in that game for his ability to to process these blitzes and pick guys up. Right. So that's something that the Eagles are going to need in these specific situations if they don't want to stall out in these third down situations, these passing situations. So I think it's a good test for Sanders. I think Howard will hold up his end, but I'm interested to see how that plays out. Right. So when you talk about a Mike Zimmer defense, the the titular topic is 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 the double a gap blitz right mug the a gaps third and long who's coming from where linebackers moving hither and thither anthony Barr, what in the name of god is he doing harrison smith all over the place (laughs) right this is what this is what it is and this is what when zimmer was uh in, in in dallas and then with the Bengals through the 2000s this is what he popularized it was when you ran the when you sugared the a gaps when you double mugged the a gaps talking about you know, you have a, a defensive tackle in a B gap, defense tackle in a B gap, edge rusher in the C gap, edge rusher in the C gap, and then two linebackers standing up in both interior A gaps. So, I mean, the Eagles, you've, the Eagles have done this for years under Schwartz. When you did that, people said, oh, that's the Mike Zimmer double A gap look. Okay, so cool. That's what gets discussed. But the reality is that while that's used, it's not like the tool. It's not like every third down, that's just what you're going to get from Zimmer. You get a super nebulous look. In his linebackers, you get a crazy, uh, dis, uh, you know, uh, confusing, uh, shifting uh, up and down. You see, like a Harrison Smith is the guy who it, it's so funny to me. Smith will fake dropping, you know, he'll be lined up as a linebacker, he'll fake dropping to a safety depth and come back up to, to blitz, but then he bails. And then, you know, Anthony Barr will line up in the B gap and he'll be blitzing the opposite C gap. He'll run all the way around like they. The, the the name of the game here is confusion. The best way for us to get to the quarterback is to make your offensive line make a mistake, make your pass protection sets make a mistake. So number one, mm. like you said, there's the 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 focus on sound uh, gap pass protection. Miles Sanders' greatest issue in pass protection is that he gets tunnel vision on in which gap he's supposed to defend and on which defender he's supposed to take. And Zimmer's mm. gonna you're gonna have problems with that. 
Eric Kendricks yeah. is a good blitzer. Anthony Barr is a great blitzer. Harrison Smith is a tremendous blitzer. And these guys are going to give you looks in this gap here and then step into that gap there. And the defensive tackle is going to spike. He's going to spike from A gap to B gap. And the defensive end is going to loop from C gap to A gap. And the middle linebacker is going to loop over into that B gap and shoot through. And there's a lot of moving parts here. You need to be able to adjust after the snap where the pressure is coming from and understand who your responsibility is. And there's no, you know, catch all. Like, it's very hard for us to sit here uh, on a TV copy say he should have taken him because you never know what the checks are and you never know what the responsibilities are. You can identify basic tendencies, but, Mm. you know, typically you work inside, outside, A gap to B gap to C gap, but you never know. Like, you know, and the Eagles might look to protect Sanders by giving different protection calls. What the Eagles do have to their advantage is Sayomalu, Kelsey, Brooks. Because Kelsey is probably one of the best stunt pickup linemen in the league. Uh, and he's been playing next to Brooks and Sam Allen now for two straight years. And so there's great chemistry there. There's good understanding there. Uh, there's good communication there. I will say that the biggest issue Sam Allen had when he first integrated last year was right. levels and, and, and blitz pickup and handling stunts. And when we talk about levels, levels are an important concept in handling these stunts, these twists, and these games. You need to have the correct spatial relationship to the center and to the tackle as a guard in order to pass off these plays. The Timmy Jernigan sack against Atlanta? Yeah. Don't remember. Either way, it was a, tw- it was a twist. It was a game. It was a text yep. stunt. T- a tackle comes under and comes over the top. Well, the guard and the tackle got off of their levels. So when the guard passed Timmy Jernigan off to the tackle to handle the game, Jernigan was able to collision that tackle, and then there was space behind the guard to cut into the B-gap and to get into the backfield. The guard and the tackle need to be closer, shoulder to shoulder at the same relative level, so that when that pass-off occurs, there's no gap in which the defender can squirt. And so you need mm-hmm. to have the, create, the, the, uh, the correct relationship to one another. The final point that matters against these blitzes is obviously Carson, and it's twofold. Number one, recognition. Yep. And Zimmer loves to screw with your basic tenants, with your basic rules. If you have a capped corner, if there's a corner over a wide receiver and there's a safety directly on top of that corner, that corner's coming on a blitz. Zimmer will cap corners and not send them, which is yeah. annoying as heck. Like that's that, fair. That's that's <laughs> very unkind. Like you know, but mm. that's why it's effective. Zimmer will flood strong, flood strong, flood strong the whole game. And then, like on a key down, just blitz from the strong side, and it's like that's insane, <laughs> but it's 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 effective because it's not what you've seen for the whole game. He did this to Daniel Jones in the third quarter and just broke Jones' circuitry, <laughs> um, which you know it's a tough ask for for a rookie quarterback. It's still a tough ask for Carson. So number one, it's pre-snap understanding who's likely to come and where your hots are on in in different scenarios as well because it's tough to ID. But then also Carson needs to be responsible in the pocket, and he's been lauded for being responsible in the pocket. I appreciate that about him. Uh, you know, he hasn't put the ball in danger too much. He's not having the fumble issues that he's had. He's had a good job sack avoidance. But if you start leaving your Specific set points and, and yeah, leaving and breaking the pocket early and, 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 and overreacting to pressure, those games get a lot easier and a lot more effective and you end up rolling yourself right into blitzers. And that's why these, these packages, especially for guys who've been around as long as Zimmer have, are built so that the second guy gets the sack. First guy flashes to make you move here and then you're moving there mm. while there's somebody wrapping around right there as it goes. And then, and you know, this, this defensive line, Limbaugh Joseph, Everson Griffin, Danielle Hunter, Anthony Barr, because they've been playing together for a long time. There's really good chemistry on what you get from this defensive line. And so it's, it's going to be, a huge test on all three phases of pass protection for Philadelphia. Pre-snap recognition from Carson. 
communication between offensive line, responsibility from running backs, and then back to Carson on hanging in the pocket, making small movements, making app decisions, and being willing to get rid of the football if he has to eat it. Yeah, I think you make great points there because like you said, if you, you have to make those small movements because you make those big sweeping movements, the second guy is going to come clean you up. And when are you more likely to fumble? When you're trying to make those, you know, those big exaggerated movements in the pocket, the ball gets away from your body. That's where bad things can happen for you. So you got to recognize a pre-snap. Carson has been fantastic, I think, from a mental perspective this season, identifying those things. And remember, that was one of the things I wanted to see against Greg Williams. Whatever you think about him as a coordinator, he will try to confuse you. And I thought Wentz did a good job not taking the bait on things. Zimmer is on like a whole nother bonkers level of trying to mess with quarterbacks. So it's going to be on Carson to be responsible with the ball, recognize these things, also communicate with the wide receivers as well, pre-snap, get the protections in place. Everybody's got to be working as a unit. So they can't have the sputters that they had against the Jets, like from an overall scheme, not from a you know mental processing part for, for Wentz, but just overall, they got to be on the same page against this Vikings team. Because especially if Carson starts to get on the move, these dudes will track you down. Danell Hunter is crazy athletic. Everson Griffin has shown a 2007, like early 2017 gear to his game that's been missing for a little bit. Harrison Smith's flying around all over the place and they'll bring him on blitzes. Like these guys will definitely get after you. And you just look at, even without the blitzes, you look at this offensive line, the way they match up. I'm not worried about the interior of the Vikings. And we could talk about that in the run game too, because I think all their run defense happens with the linebackers. But in the pass rush, you look at Danell Hunter, who has 24 hurries on the year. You look at Everson Griffin, who has 18 hurries on the year. They've combined for eight sacks. They are playing some of the best football that they've played. And when I talk with Arif, he's like, brother, Everson has been playing like 2017 Everson, who's been fantastic. Do you know Hunter might be playing better? So they could have some issues with this pass rush. If you know me as well as you think you do, you'll also know the second teamer on this defensive line, who I love to death and I think is the greatest player in the history of the world. But Enigma? No. It's it's Weatherly, 91. Oh, Stephen Weatherly, that's yeah. right. Yeah, he's, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. he's the big end who they bring in. He's, he's a healthy young man. He's yeah. huge and he's long and he's quick and I like him. Um, and he was like a seventh round pick, but I think he's fun. Anyway, right. So there's like, besides the scheme issues, or like besides the, the I should say for the Eagles, besides the fact that the scheme is difficult to handle, the talent yeah. is also difficult to handle. They have guys who can beat you one-on-one. And that includes the Eagles offensive line, which have been playing great ball. And how do you how do you scheme against that regularly? I mean, Vitae, I told this the same thing to Arif. Vitae was praised for his play against Everson Griffin in the NFC Championship game. He got a lot of help. But it, you, also, you also have to be careful for the help that you give to your right. tackles. Chipping them can sometimes help those those defenders. And then also chipping them with tight ends also leaves your route depth with your tight ends. Take kind of takes a guy out of a route combination. You know what I mean? Sure. I think that, that if you watch the way that Philadelphia has approached Minnesota in recent years, especially under Peterson, the answer to that is play action and moving set points in terms of if they're going to try to flush Carson out of the pocket, then just get him out of the pocket. Uh, mm-hmm. And be willing to sacrifice a tight end, sacrifice a wide receiver in terms of motion, you know, giving split zone looks, giving trap looks to ensure that he's going to have a clean release outside of the pocket. And then you're introducing the threat of the quarterback run, which accounts for the loss of the playmaker. So there's that. Play action also has that that positive effect because if you're able to get the ball out quickly, play action, cough, RPO, cough. Now you're you're attacking the linebackers and the linebackers play very aggressively for Zimmer. It's similar to, to Schwartz. 4-3 style of the defense, very oriented on stopping the run. Eric Kendricks flows, man. Harris, yeah. Gideon, they flow. When bars off ball, 
flies. Yeah, I think they the eagles know what type of candy will get them onto the trail and get them away from them. You know what right. I mean? And so, so if you did, I even make sense? Candy that'll like give them, I give was them just, breadcrumbs. I was just gonna let you bait? go with it. I was just gonna <laughs> leave it and let you have what you whatever you wanted. I didn't really get it, but I was fine with it. <laughs> right. Which which brings me to my like. I think they have advantage. They have places they can win on the uh, on offense. Places that they can win on defense on or. No, we already talked about defense. Places where they can win running the ball and places they can win passing the ball. In terms of running the ball, what I think you're going to be able to do pretty successfully here is run your traps because you're going to get you're going to get games. And the thing about running traps versus games is sometimes you get absolutely burned. Sometimes you have an unblocked dude with nobody to handle him in the backfield and you're screwed. Running when they twist opposite where they need to be when they get their guys in the wrong positions and you're able to win leverage points on multiple players it's a chunk gain immediately right mm-hmm. now what Zimmer's not going to do which Penton did for Green Bay and, and what the Eagles were able to do against the Jets even though Williams wasn't exactly doing it is is, Pet, is Zimmer's going to keep bodies in the box and he's going to keep linebackers in the box so when you go 12 he will respond with base he will respond with five down linemen because bar is kind of a confusion, and then two off-ball backers who will respond with four down linemen and three off-ball backers. So the Eagles are not going to get the light bodies that they got against the Packers, one of the reasons why they were so successful running the football. But we have to accept the reality that the Eagles are going to be running the ball early. We talked about this on the previous podcast a little bit. Uh Uh, In first and 10 neutral situations, so not a huge lead and not a huge deficit run rate, Philadelphia and the Vikings are both top seven in the league in terms of run rate in second and 10, they're both top five in the league in terms of run rate. So these teams on first and 10 and second and 10 are going to be running the football. So the Eagles are going to run it early. And I think when they do, what you should expect to see it there, you know, base zone concepts are going to use them, but the, the, the trap game, which has been opening up in recent weeks is going to continue to, I think be a big feature part of the game plan, especially because I think it's one of the easiest plays for Sanders. I think it's one of the plays that Sanders has shown. He can successfully read now, Jordan Howard, there's just this, I mean, yeah, give him anything, but also this is like, this is Jordan Howard, bread and butter 101, everything that Jordan Howard was built and meant to do in his life. This is what he was, he was constructed to run trap. It's a B gap downhill run where you're huge and there's space and you're about to get a safety. Like this is, you know, he, he has fever dreams about this sort of a play, but for Sanders, it's nice because you, you, you make the, the trap, take the thinking out of it. You make the trap blocker, right. And then mm. you, you simply go up right off of his back. And, and, and I think Sanders is able to do that pretty successfully. Um, so I like that concept. They ran, like I said, against the Jets. They were running these, like, you know, multiple pullers, pin pull, crack <laughs> toss, sweep things that just, like, I don't think is going to be necessary or even valuable against the, the, the Vikings because the Vikings corners can tackle. And the safeties, like Harrison Smith's all over the place. So it's not it's not really worth trying to outflank them and getting into the secondary. I think if and when the Eagles run, which I expect them to do, to me, it makes the most sense to do it up the middle, running your trap concepts, running your fold concept, which which with 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 if you have Goddard healthy is something that they do with a lot of success there. Oh, and yeah. then uh, hand back punch with Howard, which is something that we really like that they've done in the last couple of weeks. So keep it between the tackles, run it at those games. And when you can catch their their linemen twisting where they shouldn't be twisting, when you can catch linebackers blitzing and running themselves out of position, you're going to get chunk gains. So you mentioned the secondary. We're going to talk about the secondary, but in the passing game, we're going to look at some of these matchups when we come back here on the Kist and Solak Show. We'll be right back. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 131, brought to you by SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, Michael Kist, here with Benjamin Solak. We are previewing 
the Eagles offense against the Vikings defense. We talked a lot about the run game here, pass protection, all that stuff. Let's talk about where the Eagles can win in the matchup department. Now, what it's looking like, and this is what PFF is projecting, is that Trey Waynes will be on Mac Hollins. Xavier Rhodes will be on Alshon Jeffrey, which is a fantastic matchup. Mike Hughes will be on Nelson Aguilar. And then you look at the the tight end matchup here, I believe. That's the kid who will play Sendejo, right? And then with Zach Ertz, you're going to get you know a combination of Harrison Smith and, and Anthony Harris. Now, I think, honestly, the best matchup for me, and I hope Jeffrey is like 100%, because Xavier Rhodes has really, really, really struggled this year. When I spoke with Arif Hassan, he said that he had lost a step and hasn't quite made up for it with the technical aspect, with the mental aspect that you have to kind of bump up a tick when you lose a step. So that could be a really interesting matchup. And Alshon has always played Xavier Rhodes really well, including when Rhodes was like one considered one of the top cornerbacks in the league. It's kind of fallen off since then. So if Jeffrey is healthy, I think that's a place where you can win. Uh, obviously, I think these tight ends can can win for you. Harrison Smith will bait you into some bad throws, but he can also get out of place with as much freelancing as he does. When you look at this passing game, I, I really think that Nelson Aguilar gets eliminated by by Mike Hughes. And even while he's playing better than Rhodes, Trey Wayne's isn't playing all that great, but it's also just Mac Hollins. Is there really an advantage there? Does it have to be all scheme for the Eagles coming into this thing? Well, I think what you what you get the most from Zimmer is you, I think you get two things. One, I on on late and long, I want to send at least five, and so if I'm sending five, I'm typically going man one behind it, and that's and that's just, again like if Zimmer's been a defensive coordinator in the league for like eighty four years, this is what Mike Zimmer <laughs> does. He's going to go press man coverage, and he's gonna he's gonna mug you. Uh, what the other thing that they do, which the Eagles have to be cognizant of, is they green dog everybody, right? And the Eagles. Yeah this year have been leaving tight ends and backs into pass protect on long and late downs. Uh, you got to know if you do that, there's going to be a linebacker coming from depth green dog. If you're in man coverage and your responsibility stays into block, you're now blitzing. And so, you know, they'll, they'll, they're very comfortable leaving their talented secondary and man coverage across the board. The Eagles run good man beating concepts always have one of Doug Peterson's greatest strengths is, is, is being able to beat man coverage. Quick reads for Carson, get the ball out, run a slant, run a hitch, hit him in space, and go. And Zach Ertz past two games against the the Vikings have been tremendous. And it's in large part because he's one of the best man-beating receivers in the game, wide receiver or tight end. Otherwise, doesn't really matter. Yeah. He's had over 100 receiving yards in the last two games he's played against them. Ertz is going to be a big part of the game plan accordingly. Ertz is one of the Eagles' best man-beating players, especially when they're in situations where they flex him out and they know they've got him in man because they got a safety or a linebacker over top of him. So there's there's that, yeah. number one. Number two, if and when the Vikings go zone, I mean, he, he, they're nuts. They're spinning, they're pushing, then they're flooding, mm-hmm. right? This is, the, you know, Mike Zimmer must watch Jim Schwartz just drop the country cover three spot drop his players ARC and like cry because he never does this right? right so they like to give you pre-snap split field looks two safeties spin a guy down they'll spin it and, and and typically when you spin down like you're spinning them down to hook curl you're spinning them down to the hole they'll spin them down to the flat they don't give two yeah. shakes like it, you know it's like this is there's we're breaking rules here now I, sure. I talked earlier about uh they like to flood strong zimmer if you give him a three-by-one look, Zimmer's going to go take away those three. Why? Because if he was mm-hmm. comfortable playing man coverage against that look, well, he's comfortable leaving one guy in man coverage against that look and then flooding the strong zone. So talk about flooding strong. Again, three-by-one set, which the Eagles give 
25, 30 Come times on. a game. Yep. Instead of having, you know, country cover three, like I said, all right, I've got a guy in a deep third, and then I've got a curl flat zone, and a guy's a hook curl zone. I'm going to flood the coverage to the strong side. So now I'm going to have a guy in a flat zone, guy in a curl zone, guy in the hook zone. I'm going to add an extra zone defender. So instead of four zones over three, I'm going to have five zones over three. And you got the levels covered with it too, because, yeah. Now, where did that extra guy come from? He came from the backside. So now I'm locked mm-hmm. up in man, in man coverage on the backside. So instead of four over three on the trip side, and then three over two on the weak side. I'm five over three on the strong side. And then two over two, man coverage on the weak side. And where do the Eagles like to attack? See, you, you, you took it right out of my mouth. As I've said, well, it's a weak side offense. The Eagles will put three receivers over there so they can come back over here where there's just less bodies and there's more space. So again, we're in man beating central. And again, that's Zach Ertz. And again, it's Ertz in three by one sets. Uh, flexed out as the why. I, I tweeted after the uh, uh, the Jets game and the Ertz touchdown. If your Eagles are in the red zone and they go three by one and Ertz is on the opposite side, just don't bother covering anybody else. They're not going to throw it to the trip side of the red zone. They're throwing it to Ertz. That's why they put everybody on the other side. So make sure they have enough space to do it. So this is what the Eagles like to do. This is what the Eagles are going to want to do. And so I expect to see a lot of situations where the Eagles go trips, get Alshon or Ertz as the the opposite guy. And then you're going to run your hitches. You're going to run your quick outs. You're going to run your slants. Carson Wentz is going to go, you know, 13 for 17 throwing 10 yards or less down the field for like you know 109 yards and a touchdown it's not going to be pretty it's not going to be explosive it's not going to be high you know adjusted net yards per attempt but the eagles are going to get to third and fives and then you know dare harrison smith and xavier Rhodes to take away their best players now smith Ooh. and Rhodes have been able to do that at times against teams but they've historically struggled to do so against the eagles and, and especially zach Ertz again has been really productive against the vikings in the past couple of years so i think that that's your answer to what you're doing in the in, in the passing game now i will say zimmer likes to flood strong he doesn't always do it you have to watch what the vikings are doing pre-snap on the line because a mm. lot of times they like to in order to get the, the bodies that they need they'll reduce the, the the weak side of their front so they'll take like the seven tech and move him in to the, like, you know, a five tech or a four eye tech, take the weak side linebacker, drop him down onto the line of scrimmage, take the weak yeah. side safety, pull him forward so that he actually has an angle to get in man coverage. Like you said, where is Anthony Barnes? Right. Because he does that yeah, stuff right. a lot. So when they rotate weak, and again, the, the Vikings really do a good job. You know, okay, you set your protection, Carson's on the gun, and now we're going to move a guy. We're actually going to move three guys. And this, 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 this forces you into a new protection check. It forces your center. Your, your offensive line, your quarterback, your running back to all be on the same page without speaking. And you're on the road. Right. Yeah. So so when they do this weak side movement, weak side end kicks further inside, weak side backer comes up onto the line of scrimmage to potentially blitz, weak side safety starts creeping up into the box. Typically when you see that, it means they're sending rush, rushers weak playing man coverage on the weak side and they're flooding strong zones. So that's what you, you what you simply, you have to just throw it out. You have to throw to whoever's backside in one-on-one coverage. And it's going to be tight. And it's going to be physical. And they got to make plays. If you want to be able to get rid of the ball quickly. Otherwise, you got to go, as we said, max protect other play action, move the, the, the pocket, and then try to get your deep shots in. And they'll let you get your deep shots in. Like I said, they'll give you a too high look at the snap, but they rotate down. When they rotate down, you have a safety bailing to single high. So not only is there only one safety deep, he's on the run while he's doing it. So he's out of position to recover and to change depth. I mean, this is this is, this is is the, the price you pay. How many times have we seen Harrison Smith at the snap? Like right before the snap, he's at the line of scrimmage and then yeah. he's like just sprinting to the his Vikings, The Vikings and the Ravens, they do this where they're like, yeah. hey, we're going to put a safety in the B gap. I guess he's got deep middle coverage. Like, what are you thinking? The Eagles, the Eagles can't get deep middle coverage out of a guy who's already there. Like it's a amazing that these teams do this right so that's that's i think that's what you're looking at from a schematic perspective in terms of 
uh, uh, what what you want to do and what you're going to be looking for in terms of the passing game. I, I think, again, it's not going to be a deep game. I think it's not going to be a deep pass. I think it's not going to be taking those deep shots. If you do, it's going to be deep overs with Aguilar, deep crossers with Earth. I don't think it's going to be nine balls to Alshon back shoulders. It doesn't really make yeah. sense for, for what you're getting from the Vikings. The only other thing that sticks out to me in terms of what you're going to want to do in the passing game, I mean, the Eagles have been running back target heavy over the past couple of weeks. They've been working wheel routes. They've been working, you know, Jordan Howard on screens, which like is a thing. I have no opinion on this, but whatever. Yeah. If you want to go for it, sure. I don't think but your running backs have a receiving advantage against these linebackers. Doesn't get much more athletic all. than Eric Hendricks and Anthony Barr at the linebacker position. You know, yeah, you got Miles Sanders on a wheel route against the defensive end last week against Greg Williams. Sure. I don't <laughs> think you're getting that against Mike Zimmer. Uh, and it's going to be a lot harder of a <laughs> Anthony sell. Barr will run step for step with him. Yeah. For sure. So, so that's the, those are my main thoughts on the passing game. I think the Eagles are going to run the ball. I think the Eagles are going to try to win another game running the football, which I don't think is a, a, a referendum on Carson. I just think it's what they're doing. It'll without, be made as one. I think, I think it's just what they're doing without Deshaun. Yeah, I go. agree. With that in mind, let's take a look at the line from DraftKings Sportsbook. <laughs> Still at three and a half. Vikings are favorites. Over-under is at 44. So when we did the offensive preview for the Vikings, we both said that they were going to be under 24 points, if I'm not mistaken. I think I put the Vikings at 20 points. Uh, Ben, what do you say for the final score on this one? Yeah, so I had the Vikings under 24. I'll have the Eagles above 20. I do think it's a game the Eagles win. Got a heater going, two-game streak. Um, But, I mean, like, (laughs) the Eagles clearly have circled the horses after a rocky start. It's a, a huge game before the Cowboys, who they're now equal with. You obviously do not want to be dropping a game before that matchup. I don't think it's a big look-ahead spot. I just think it's... Well, it's just the start of a three-game road stretch. Yeah. yeah. Gut check feels like the wrong word, but I think it's a, a bit of a prove-it game. The Vikings have not... The Vikings have won two of their past three games. I have not been impressed with their performance in any three of them. I've watched now the offense and the defense for both. And I simply... Mm-hmm. I don't... I see a team that's done a really good job running the football against some pretty bad defenses. I don't think that's going to be as easy against the Eagles. I see a gun-shy quarterback who I don't necessarily think is going to do a great job taking advantage of the Eagles' weakness on defense. Again, Mm -hmm. going to not be at all surprised when I'm completely wrong about that because it doesn't make any sense, right? And then for the Eagles' offense, Carson Wentz playing risk-free football, keeping the offense on track, unbelievable third-down conversion, and the offensive line is, is, is at a dominant click right now. I, I, the Vikings very much strike me as like a, a middling team, good team in a good division in a good conference. Who's going to stick around in, in the playoff race and be a tough out and, and, and show some fight and whatever. But if, if, if you're a legit football team, you should be able to go on the road and beat them in a tough one. So the, I, mm-hmm. I like the Eagles, you know, in, in like 26, 20, you know, 27, 21. That's what I'm looking at. Going into this game, you know, I, I started to feel like maybe this was the Lions game, but with the Lions game, my process was a little bit different. I came in thinking that the Lions were worse than they were. When I went through the film, I thought they were better than a lot of people thought they were, and I predicted them to win. Coming into this game with the Vikings, I thought the Vikings were better than they were until I started really digging into the matchup. And a lot of the points that you make about the the offense, of course, can be true for the Vikings, and we don't exactly know, but you're right. If the running game can't click and be dominant in this game for the Vikings, I think they're really going to struggle. And I, like I said with the with the offense before, people are freaking out about the Eagles offense, but I think a lot of that is just overblown and a product of the local media. Go figure. That happens. So I think this Eagles offense is going to be able to put up points on the road in a bit of a slog of a game, admittedly. Uh, but at the same time, 
I don't think that the Eagles should drop this game. I think they win 23 to 20. So that's my final score prediction there. I'll go with the under because I do think, like you said, that it's going to be a bit of a shorter game, less total overall plays, but the efficiency will be fine for the Eagles when you look at it at the end of the day against a, uh, a top five defense right now in the league. Very, uh, very interesting. You and I are both expecting a lot from one Jacob Elliott in this upcoming game. <laughs> four for four, baby. He's been perfect. What do you want me to say? Can't wait to I put love- him in my can't wait to put in my winner's column for like the seventh week in a row. <laughs> Irregard- <laughs> like no, regardless of what he does, yeah. he's a winner every week. <laughs> he could kick nothing and he has kick off he has, well. He has had games in which he has not attempted a field goal, and I put him in the winner's column. <laughs> I'm in charge. It's a week without a miss, baby. A week without a hiccup for, for Jake Elliott. So yeah, that's gonna do it for the preview here, the second part. Eagles offense against the Vikings defense. If you haven't heard it yet, go back and listen to the KNS 130 where we flip sides did the Vikings offense against the Eagles defense. Ben, really looking forward to this game. I think it's going to tell us a lot about the Eagles. In the meantime, would you say goodbye to the gentle listeners? Yeah, it'd just be really nice if they could win. That'd be great. I mean, I'm going to say the same thing next week, obviously, <laughs> but just like I don't want to deal with them losing. It's exhausting. Uh, so yeah, go birds. Uh, thank you as always for listening to the Kiss and Solak show here on Bleeding Green Nation Radio. We do appreciate it. I uh, ran them through on the previous show. I'll run them through again. Many, 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 many previews for you and for this matchup. Babes on Broad, BGN Radio Main Show, uh, Eagles defense versus Viking offense, and now the Vikings defense versus the Eagles offense. There's no way to get ready for this game that does not include BGN Radio. If you enjoyed the show, go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcasts. Mike, we got a, uh, a one-star review recently, didn't we? No, we didn't because you can't enter one-star reviews. It doesn't work. We don't even see them. Can't believe it. The guy, the guy that, that had the critique on the previews and reviews switched it back to, to five stars. I think, he, I think he clicked it wrong. That's the only way that these things happen right. for us. And the universe eventually corrects itself, no matter what you do. That's the thing. Like he tried to leave a one-star review, and it just objectively did not work. It became a five-star <laughs> review, as we knew it would. Uh, But anyway, so go ahead, rate, review, subscribe, be a friend, be a pal, be cool. And yeah, I'm on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. He's on Twitter at Michael Kiss NFL. That's K-I-S-T. We're going to be angrily and stressfully tweeting through this game on Sunday. You should come by and join us. Uh, But until then, we're friends and we'll catch you after the game. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Wait, wait, wait. Did you see the Zach Brown quote? Oh yeah, that's right. He totally crapped on Kirk Cousins. What, what was what was the quote exactly? We'll fit it into so, the end of the show here. Uh, Zach Brown identifies Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins as probably the weakest part of their offense. This is from Tim McManus of ESPN. Cousins, I think every defense is going to want that guy to throw the ball. Brown said, for me, that's probably the weakest part of their offense is him. Everything else is good. They've got a good running game, probably one of the best in the league. They have good receivers. You just want them to pass the ball. You want Kirk Cousins to get it in his hands. Listen, anytime, like this is like when Bortles left Jacksonville. Anytime, yeah. I think a de- especially defense versus offense, where like a, def- a defensive player has never been able to say his true opinion on his quarterback, and then they <laughs> stop being teammates, the first opportunities, I don't even know if it's the first opportunity. Cousins has been in Minnesota for a while. The first opportunity for Zach Brown, like, yeah, I think Kirk Cousins is a weakness of this team. I love it. Do you think this is like psychological warfare on Brown's point? Because uh, teams typically prefer things not to be said about the other team coming into the game, especially trash talking. I don't care. Right. 
I love it. I think this is something that'll make Cousins fold ultimately. Yeah, like, that, that was like pro football talk framed it as like, <laughs> if Kirk Cousins, you know, plays better when he's angry, which is what like Cousins has said, like, I play good when I have like an, an edge. Like, okay, Kirk. Sure, buddy. Yeah, as if like, oh, yeah. And it's against who? Exactly. Like, oh, like I play better when I'm angry. Okay, Bad you teams. have one three second clip of you like that. You like that. You are <laughs> white bread, milk toast, unassuming, uninspiring thing that plays quarterback. <sighs> I didn't mean that, by the way. You're a very nice fellow. I just want to say, you don't really strike me as like a Baker Mayfield prototype here. Okay. And fade out. <laughs> D-G-N. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 